Good morning, everyone. Bang, bang. Bitcoin is knocking on the door of a new all-time high in U.S. dollar price as I begin to write this letter. The market structure for the asset has been quite clear for months now. The long-term strong hands were accumulating as much Bitcoin as they possibly could, while short-term weak hands were selling their Bitcoin. Approximately 85% of all Bitcoin in circulation has not moved in the last 90 days. The last time that occurred was in October of 2020, which was followed by a 600% increase in price in under six months. No one knows what will happen moving forward. I wouldn't want to be short a volatile asset like Bitcoin right now, though. With that said, the price of the asset is just one story. There are a few other interesting developments that I wanted to discuss this morning. Let's start with Jack Dorsey and Square. They announced a potential interest in building hardware to support the Bitcoin network. On Friday, Jack tweeted, Square is considering building a Bitcoin mining system based on custom silicone and open source for individuals and businesses worldwide. If we do this, we'd follow our hardware wallet model, built in the open in collaboration with the community. There were two main takeaways that I had when I read through Jack's Twitter thread on the topic. The big conclusion I reached was that we were about to watch Jack Dorsey transform Square into one of the world's leading Bitcoin companies. He already put the digital currency on the balance sheet, created an easy on-ramp for Cash App users to purchase Bitcoin, announced intentions to build a hardware wallet, and hired a team to build an open developer platform with the sole goal of making it easy to create non-custodial, permissionless, and decentralized financial services. These actions are not the sign that someone is a tourist in the industry. Each of them is fundamentally difficult, yet could have a profoundly positive impact on Bitcoin and the eventual billions of users. Today, Square is a $115 billion market cap company. It wouldn't be hard to see a multi-trillion dollar company if Dorsey was able to successfully build the largest publicly traded Bitcoin company in the world. My second big takeaway from this announcement was that Square is explicitly talking about system design thinking that would require them to start with re-engineering silicone chips. Yes, you read that right. A software company that has grown incredibly fast is now talking about crossing over into one of the hardest manufacturing verticals in the world. No one can claim that this team lacks ambition. There is no promise that Square will figure out the right strategy, nor that they will actually pull the trigger on this. But the thought exercise alone is a sign of how important the company believes Bitcoin will become. They aren't the only ones who think the digital currency is important, though. Mark Cuban responded to a tweet that I wrote on Saturday about Bitcoin embodying the American ethos. As expected, many people in the Bitcoin community began bashing him for uttering any word that could be construed as negative towards the digital currency. Eventually, Mark Cuban and a bunch of others, Preston Pish, Peter McCormick, Lynn Alden, myself, etc., ended up in a Twitter spaces for a live conversation. More than 15,000 people were tuned in to hear the back and forth. Many of the people in the conversation were upset with Mark about previous comments he had made about other crypto assets, or they felt like he didn't fully understand Bitcoin. While some of that may be true, I heard something slightly different in Mark's comments. On multiple occasions, the billionaire stated that he believed Bitcoin to be a great store of value and owned the asset in his personal portfolio. One quote was, it's the best store of value on the planet. That's why I own it. He even tweeted that Bitcoin was the best store of value at one point on Saturday too. He said Bitcoin is what it is, the best store of value on the market. There is nuance to Mark's view, which is important to understand. He believes Bitcoin is a great store of value, but doesn't see a high probability that it will be used as a medium of exchange globally. In comparison, Bitcoiners put a higher probability on the global medium of exchange, but both camps agree on the store of value argument. This leads me to a big takeaway that I had from the conversation. Mark Cuban is a Bitcoiner. He understands Bitcoin in great detail, including what makes it valuable, why users are flocking to it, and what the biggest challenges are. The problem in the eyes of the Bitcoin community is that Mark Cuban does not believe as much as they do. This is equivalent to a religion where the orthodox or purist population gets mad at those pursuing the same religion in a heterodox way.
Both groups are believers, but they differ on the nuance and detail. If you scroll through Twitter and see the reaction from many people in the most toxic corners of the industry, they are calling Cuban a moron, an idiot, and a fraud. Remember, this is all directed at a guy who publicly is stating that he believes Bitcoin is the greatest store of value in the world. To make things even more interesting, the giga chat of all Bitcoiners, Michael Saylor, appears to agree with Mark Cuban. Michael tweeted over the weekend, It is reasonable to expect people to hold digital currencies, stablecoins representing U.S. dollars, euros, or Japanese yen, that they can use as a medium of exchange without triggering a taxable event, and digital assets like Bitcoin that they can use as a store value and collateral for fiat credit. Cuban then responded and said, we agree. As you point out, people won't use Bitcoin for transactions. I agree. Stablecoins and or CBDCs will be the dominant medium of exchange with regulation being a wild card. So on one hand, you have Bitcoiners attacking Mark Cuban, but praising Michael Saylor. Rather than allowing this hypocrisy to go unnoticed, I think it is worth calling out. My guess is that Michael Saylor and Mark Cuban, along with majority of Bitcoiners, agree on much more than they ever realized. Which points me to my last point. The best way to learn is by listening. There's a pattern of small group of Bitcoiners to lash out aggressively at people that they disagree with. If you don't believe exactly what this group believes, they will yell and scream. They'll get real mad and they'll attack you relentlessly. It makes no sense. There is no common ground established when people do this. There's no education or learning that occurs. Rather than creating an environment where someone can change their mind, you create an environment that forces people to dig their heels in as a defense mechanism. Frankly, we don't have time for those types of immature antics. The Bitcoin community is attempting to accomplish the impossible. We need as many people on our side as we can get. We should see these situations as an opportunity to recruit a new proponent, instead of looking for a chance to dunk on someone. It isn't easy. I am no better than anyone else at this. Honestly, I love having fun on the internet and have dunked on plenty of folks in the past. But as I thought about it more, we need to be as welcoming as possible. The rebuttal to this message from the toxic corners of the Bitcoin community will be that toxicity acts as a protective mechanism for the protocol. This is a misplaced idea though. The protective mechanism is not the toxicity, but rather the willingness of Bitcoiners to stand up and say something every single time someone misspeaks or acts in an abrasive way. The willingness to defend is the defense mechanism, not the toxicity. In fact, I would go on as far as to say that the toxicity stems from many people's inability to communicate effectively. Just as a child yells and screams for attention, many people in the community are vying to one-up each other in terms of toxicity. That doesn't make you honorable, it just makes you an asshole. The true test of a warrior is whether they can win the war without ever fighting the battle. As the great Sun Tzu famously said, quote, The supreme art of war is to subdue the enemy without fighting. He also said, quote, Hence to fight and conquer in all your battles is not supreme excellence. Supreme excellence consists in breaking the enemy's resistance without fighting. And finally, Sun Tzu stated, quote, Confront them with annihilation, and they will then survive. Plunge them into a deadly situation, and they will then live. When people fall into danger, they are then able to strive for victory. There's no point in being confrontational. Our end goal is not earning a debate victory, but rather in gaining a comrade. When optimizing for acquiring a comrade, the tactics must be different. I have confidence that we will learn over time as a community. It is a learned skill and one in which every person must put effort into mastering, definitely including me. Hope each of you has a great day and I'll talk to everyone tomorrow.